1 Corinthians 14. This is going to be kind of an introduction into uh, Men's Sunday School in March. Uh, Brother Roland will be teaching for us next week, then I'll be teaching um, the other weeks in March with the exception of one more that we'll be gone for. But um, I'm going to be talking about, and I may, I haven't looked at how the ladies have signed up and what's going on there, but we may bring in everybody for some of these lessons uh, in Sunday school talking about creating a culture uh, within the church that is welcoming, that is uh, proving or accomplishing the theme for this year of Love Thy Neighbor. And uh, I've been um, read some different articles and listened to some uh, non-saved people talking about church and and it's got my mind kind of moving a bit and uh, and so today's message is kind of uh, an intro into the the rest of the month at the very least for men's Sunday school maybe for everybody we'll see how it works out on creating culture as a pastor when I hear the word culture my first thought is fear um, because I hear people talk about changing things in their church to fit the culture and uh, that's not how church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be uh, based off of Bible and off of what God desires, Bible and prayer, and what God tells you to do, then you do it. And I believe there can be some differences in churches. I don't think every church has to be cookie cutter, has to be exactly the same. I think that if you live in different regions, uh, that can impact how you're dressing. It can impact maybe music. Um, that's a That's a... Uh, a discussion for another day. Uh, it can impact, but it can impact different things. Um, it can impact church service times, uh, depending on where you live. Farm communities, um, uh, for years and years and years, generations have had different service times than your normal uh, church services because the farmers needed to be in the field, needed to do what they needed to do, things like that. So culture can have an impact, but that's not what we're talking about with the culture of the church. We're talking about how our church uh, looks, behaves, um, acts and is it a, a way that is biblical is it a way that is right and is it a way that biblically is welcoming to people that come into our church as well and uh, so we'll go into more details of that in the sunday school time uh, in a couple of weeks but today i wanted to um, preach this message and, and and it'll go along with uh, with that we may even come back and reference this message in our first sunday school lesson uh, in the second sunday of march but we're here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and look with me, if you will, in verse 23. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 23, it says, <clears throat> Excuse me. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Today I want to look at this thought, why do you come to church. Why do you come to church? And I pray the Lord will use it to help us today uh, and grow closer to Him. Lord, I pray for your help. 
as we look at this passage, and I've got many thoughts on my mind that are going to be presented in later weeks, and Lord, I pray that today you would help me to be uh, single-minded, focused on exactly what you'd have for us to have today, and Lord, help me to present it uh, clearly, Lord, help me to present it correctly, and God, I pray that you would encourage us. I believe we have a church that loves you and loves people. But Lord, I pray that you would continue to grow us, uh, mold us, and develop us into the church you want us to be. And Lord, may this passage help us to do that, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. How many of you have ever visited a church for the first time? Everybody. All right. <laughs> If you didn't before this church, you did when you came to this church for the first time. So everybody's visited a church for the first time. Uh, it depends on why you're visiting, on how you feel in some degrees. If you're visiting family, and so you're just visiting their church because you're visiting family, uh, it's a little weird because people know your family and they don't know you. And so you're walking in and your family's talking to all these people and they're all looking at you and you're looking at them and you're kind of like, these people are weird. Uh, you know, I, all these kind of, you have, you have the different mentality when you're doing that. If you're visiting a church that you're looking to become a member of, that you're looking for a home church, uh, you come in a little bit more skeptical, I think, oftentimes. You'll come in and, and you're, you're looking at everything, right? You look at the facility, you look at the people, uh, you look at the, uh, uh, the song service and the preaching, and you look at the Sunday school time, and, and uh, anything and everything catches your eye when you're visiting looking for a home church. Um, uh, from, from the moment you walk, well, the moment you pull into the, the, the parking lot to the moment you walk in the door, everything is, you're on high alert, looking, oftentimes naturally, skeptically looking for whatever's wrong with the church, right? A lot of times we don't go in looking for what's right with the church. We go in and try to find all the problems with it, and then we can figure out if we can live with those problems or if we cannot. And, uh, and so when you're, uh, when you're thinking on that mentality, and oftentimes when it comes to being a church that has a, um, a biblical culture about it, uh, and when I say that again, I clarify, by biblical culture I mean being biblically correct, and also within that being uh, biblically loving towards others that come into the church. And then once we join a church and we become a member of a church, over time those things that we saw the first time we came kind of start to go away because you start to melt into those things. You are now part of that culture. And so sometimes church culture can change a little bit as, as it grows, as new members come, new personalities and things like that. Um, I've watched this church, uh, uh, I've watched it changed personalities a few different times. Times to where I think we were kind of... Um, uh, uh, I don't know the right terminology for it, maybe shy in a sense, or when people came, we were kind of timid, uh, then to a time where maybe we were, uh, uh, had more of a mentality of a, why are you here? And then, uh, and then time where we transferred into what I think we are now of a very friendly and, and welcoming church. And, uh, and that, that happens over time, and it will continue to happen with this church as we grow and as people fluctuate and things like that. It, it is going to... <coughs> Excuse me. It's going to continue. It's a constant change. Um, we, there'll be a lot that can stay consistent, but as personalities come and go, the the personality of the church will change. <clears throat> so when we're talking about the culture of the church, that's that's what we're talking about. How people view us when they walk in for the first time. And involved in that is is the purpose for why you come 
to this church. Why you come to church every week, why you come uh, and why you do what you do when you're here at the church. Why is that? And that's what's being talked about here in 1 Corinthians 14. A lot of people will use this passage to preach about tongues. And it talks about tongues in the passage, so it's not wrong to do so. But uh, that's not what the passage is about. It is about ultimately what it says at the end of verse 26, let all things be done unto edifying. Why, why are you all doing these things if they're not accomplishing the purpose that you're supposed to be doing? Is what is being written here to this church. So I want to look at number one. Uh, do you come uh, to church be, uh, to be a part of a club? Not a dance club, not a party club, but like uh, you know the all-boys club or the uh, all-nine-year-old club or the uh, independent fundamental Baptist club or whatever it is. Do you come to church to be a part of a club? Uh, typically, in a church, <clears throat> especially this size, it's going to tend to be people who have some commonality with each other. The larger the church gets, that starts to change because you have more people, and so then there will be people who find groups of people that they have commonalities with, but there will also be people that they have nothing in common with. Now, in a church this size, typically you at least have something in common with everybody. Uh, not everything, but something. Uh, or else you don't come back. Uh, that's typically how it works. Why do you come to church? Do you come to church to be a club? We get comfortable with the people that we're around. We get comfortable with the way that we're doing things. And we can get stuck into a rut. We can get stuck into a pattern that although it not be unbiblical, the method that we're doing, uh, it can oftentimes change into a point where now we cannot help people the way the church is supposed to help people because we're just a club. Um, I've been a part of a couple of clubs in my life. I think I was seven years old and we built this awesome fort in the woods and uh, we had a contract that got typed up on a typewriter that you had to sign. You know, your rule number one, don't tell anybody where the fort is. Uh, rule number two, I don't remember what rule number two and three and four were, but nonetheless, you had to sign the contract. I will abide by these guidelines for this club. And uh, I mean, there were four of us. It was at the camp. There was four of us kids that were there. Um, if you weren't part of the club, that was really sad. Uh, so, you know, it all had to kind of work out together. But uh, you, you, have, you have clubs now. Facebook has kind of uh, helped with this as well, where you've got groups. And so you can join a group of interests that you have. And now you're starting to get to know people that have the same interests and, and things like that. And church can fall into that mentality where all of a sudden now we have become a group of people that have uh, one important thing in common when it comes to the Bible. But then we can get to the point where when somebody else walks into the door and they look at our club and they think, do I fit into this club? And if they do, then they feel welcome. And if they don't, then they go, well, that was not a fun experience. Uh, at least the food was good. Um, and then they never ever come back. That's not the only reason why people won't come back, but, but that's one of the reasons. Look in verse 23. At the end of the verse, so well, let's look at the whole verse again. It says, if the whole church uh, become together into one place, what does that sound like? A church building. If the whole church come together into one place, like we are today, uh, um, and all speak with tongues. And we're not talking about tongues today, but you will find in the Bible, and we see it in this passage as well, anytime that someone is speaking in tongues, if uh, the people there are understanding it, if they are not understanding it, then what's the purpose of it? Um, you can argue the gift of tongues. You can argue it's different languages. Again, that's not what the sermon's about today. Uh, but uh, the point is, 
Uh, and we see it in this passage. If they all speak in tongues, the people that have come together into one place, the church, and there comes in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, someone who's not a part of the club, they walk in. A visitor, uh, someone who's not been biblically trained yet, someone who is lost, unbeliever, will they not say that ye are mad? Now, today, in, when we think of the word tongues and speaking in tongues, I believe we all think the same thing. Alright, what'd you get out of that? You're crazy. And that's exactly what God is saying here uh, to this church. If your club is doing one thing and someone that's not part of your club comes in and they hear you, they're going to think you're mad. Uh, have you ever listened to people speak Spanish? And you're sitting there and you're wondering, are they talking about me? Because um, I don't know what they're saying, right? They're talking, and they know what they're saying, but you're sitting there and have no idea. What in the world are they saying? Um, I've heard people talking at times, and I think they can't actually be saying anything, right? There's, there's, that's just noise. There's, there's no way they're actually communicating with someone. Uh, but they are. Uh, when, I, when I did the teaching, like many of you do, on the, uh, the Chinese kids online, every now and then the mom or dad would come in and they would talk to their child. And their child would turn around and talk back to the parents, sometimes kindly and sometimes not kindly, but it was in Chinese. I don't know any Chinese. Uh, and they're talking. I have no idea what they're saying. I don't know if the mom was mad at something that I did and she was telling him, don't ever listen to this person again. I don't know if the mom was mad. I don't know what was happening. Uh, but they were talking and I couldn't understand them. If I walked into a church and they were speaking Spanish, I'd say it's great that there's a Spanish church, but I have no idea what they're saying. And in this case, that's the, the illustration that they're using. If the church comes together and they're sitting together, they're in church, they're, they're having a service, and someone who's not normally in the service comes in and you're, speaking, you're all speaking in tongues, they're going to go, you guys are you're drunk, you're mad, you're crazy. They're going to turn around and walk away. Then the church has done nothing to help that person. I wonder sometimes, and I say sometimes, more so in the last week or so, I wonder if visitors walk into our church, if they've never been in church before or very rarely been in church before, I wonder if they walk in and go, this is a club that I'm just not, not a part of. I don't get any of this. I don't. And there are things, obviously, about the Bible that if they've not been in church, they haven't learned, they haven't heard before. But is it a group of people that come together for a, a supposed purpose, but we've just come to be a part of the club? There are people that walk into the church, and we've had it happen, usually it's on Wednesday nights, but we've had it happen where people walk in and they definitely don't look like us, and, and you, you question sometimes their motives. That's natural that you do this. You question their motives, and you question, you know, I, as a pastor, I've questioned many times, are they just here to ask for money? Because um, that's happened before, and those kinds of things. And I try to very, I've tried very hard to get out of that mentality and try to have my first thought a positive thought. Oh, it's so wonderful they've come to church. And granted, I get let down many times because of that. But that's what I've tried to train my brain and ask God to help me with that. My first interaction with someone to not be a why are they here, what do they want, but an actual excitement that they're here. And, uh, and, so, and so we see this with this passage and in this church where the thought is being brought up to them, the question is being brought to them, um, 
What happens if someone comes in that's unlearned or an unbeliever and they hear you and now all they're going to say is, are they mad? Are they crazy? They're not going to be helped by it. And why do you come to church? If you're just coming to be a part of the club, guess what? Other people are going to come to the church and they're not going to be a part of the club. And we might get some that are, but, but if we're accomplishing our goal and our purpose of our church that we've put out, is we want lost people to come. We want hurt people to come. We want people who, who've been um, hurt in church before and now don't go to church and then they've decided, I know I need to be in church, so I need to find a church that I can go to that I'm not going to get hurt in again. We want those people to come in and not think, oh, they're just a part of that club that I was hurt by. Because I'm telling you, it happens everywhere. And people are oversensitive and people get offended about silly stuff all the time, but there are legitimately people out there who have been hurt so badly by church, by pastors, by church members, by sly looks, by things that they thought they were whispering, but, but they didn't whisper quiet enough, they're, by actions, all that's happened. And we want to be a church that when they come in, they don't go, oh, they're just part of that club. And by the way, I think we're accomplishing that in many ways, not in every way, but in many ways, um, uh, I was thankful for some kind words from our visitors last week that shared that they could sense that about us, and I was very appreciative of that. But we have to continue to work on that. Don't just come to church to be a part of the club. Don't get comfortable. I've been in a church before. I've been a member of a church before that was comfortable with the club, and there wasn't any action. There wasn't any effort into getting new people to come unless they were already part of the club. Don't be that. Don't, don't, don't fall into that mentality. Why do you come to church? Do you come because you're part of a club? Number two, do you come to be noticed? Uh, do you come to be noticed? I hope not. Uh, um, if, if you care about being noticed by us, then, then you've got issues. But uh, verse 26, it says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, that's music, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. So everybody's coming and they've got something, right? They've got something, and that's good. We, we strive to do that in our church, have everybody have something, do something, get involved some way, have something. But the question is, is do you come uh, to be noticed? Do you come for, uh, for lack of a better term, for self-expression? For me to, to show what I can do, for me to... To, um, we, we all want to feel wanted. We all want to feel needed. Sometimes we want to feel uh, like no one sees us <laughs> as well. Uh, that, that, that can be a, a negative. But nonetheless, we've all got something. And are we coming to be seen? Uh, if we're coming for ourselves, for self-expression, self-expression only edifies one person's self. If I'm coming for me, the only person that I can possibly uh, uh, benefit is me. If I'm singing for me, no one's going to be blessed by the singing. If I'm teaching for me, then no one's going to be helped but me. And I say that, and there's, the Bible's the Bible, and the Bible is powerful. So if I'm still speaking the Bible, there's still the potential that someone's going to be helped. But not, it's going to be purely by the miracle of the Holy Spirit, which it always is anyways, but it, it, it's going to have zero to do with you, and it's not going to help. It's not going to be as effective as it could have been had you been in the right heart and the right spirit. And, and we come and we, we do all these kinds of things, and a lot of times this comes through in preferences. Um, 
We've talked about standards before and the importance of setting biblical standards in your home and in your life. And we've talked about the fact that me and you can disagree on standards and it's going to be okay. Um, and there are some people who will say, no, this standard is so important and if you don't agree with me on it, then I can't have anything to do with you. And that's, you know, that's fine. But a preference is oftentimes overtake importance. So because I prefer this, I don't want anybody else to do it differently. And so I'm going to do everything that I can to control everybody else uh, to make sure that my preferences are accounted for. Now at the church we have in writing a statement that says for congregational singing we only sing out of the hymn book. There's a reason for that. There's, there's two reasons for it. Number one, I prayed about it. Number two, I'm not going to offend anybody with hymns. I'm not anti-new music. There are, there are many good songs that are out there that are new and that are not in our hymn book that we could sing as a congregation and would be perfectly fine with God. But there are also people who are going to come in and they're going to be offended by it. Some of, again, there are some people who are going to be offended by everything. It doesn't matter. Um, as a pastor in two churches, we've had people come in and they came in because they were offended by something at another church. And I've told my wife, they'll be here for a little while eventually they're going to be offended by something here and they'll be gone. That's just the way it works. Um, there are other people who understand this is my preference, but I understand that not everybody shares my preference. And it's not about me anyhow. Uh, if you have a... a, a I, I'm, not, I'm not bashing anyone who has a higher preference or a higher standard than me or that has a lower standard than me. I have learned, and I've had to learn this, I've learned it in the last three years, that that's okay. I can, I can try to make everybody... Now, I'm the pastor, so I have a little bit more leeway than you do at the church, but as far as the preferences that go on here. But having said that, I have compromised, and I use that word lightly, I have compromised in areas that are not my preference because I think it's better for the church as a whole. And that's hard to do, and when we start doing that, and we and and that's why it's so important to pray over. It's so important to set biblical standards and and all those sorts of things. But when preferences is personal, and so when I allow myself to get involved, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden I want everybody else to to be seen the same way that I want to be seen. I want everybody else to do the same thing that I want to do. And if it can't be done that way, then then well, I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to be involved in that. Well, I'll just sit here and do nothing. Uh, that kind of mentality starts to creep in. And a lot of times it's something that builds. Where at the beginning it's, it's not that big of a deal, but then all of a sudden it starts to grow and fester and, and, and swell until all of a sudden there's this massive problem and you've become a sour point in the church and have now hurt the culture of the church because of your personal preferences because of your self-expression, because of something wanting to be seen. The ultimate question that we're asking is, why do we come to church? And that's what's being addressed here in 1 Corinthians 14. And it starts by uh, reminding them that you're not supposed to be this uh, exclusive club. We use the word inclusive today, and it scares us, and I understand why. But we're not supposed to be an exclusive club. The church is not. The church is actually supposed to be, a, we've heard it many times before, a hospital. Why do you go to the hospital? Because you're sick. Well, why do you go to church? <laughs> because you're wicked. And if we want our club to be just a bunch of good people, and we don't want violent people, and we don't want 
uh, people who are going to harm our family and stuff like that. I get that. But we have to be a church that isn't about self. We're about the edification. Helping people, lost and saved, draw closer to Christ. Encouraging, building, mentoring, uh, helping. That kind of mentality. And I can't do that if I'm all about me. Because if I'm all about me, then everything I do is going to be to help me. Well, I will help this person as long as it helps me. Uh, we're doing the Small Church Pastors Conference Thursday and Friday. The reason we're doing that is to help me. Uh, I've, I've been very upfront about that from the get-go. Um, I've designed it. I've planned it. I've invited the speakers that I've invited, uh, the topics that are being sessions, things like that. It's very selfish. All of it's going to help me. But I know I'm not the only one in my situation. And thankfully, there have been other pastors who say, hey, this could be helpful to me as well. But if I get up on Sunday and preach to you, or if I get up on Friday morning and preach to pastors, uh, or if I get up on Wednesday or, or whenever it is, and I open my Bible and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to preach in a theatrical manner, I'm going to teach and preach in a way that everybody's going to go, wow, he is really gifted. You know, um, think about this. Actors, uh, Broadway actors, they practice and they practice and they practice. Why? For perfection. And at the end of the show, they come out and everybody stands up and applauds. And they take a bow. Sometimes if I, I don't know if, I guess Broadway probably doesn't do encores. I don't know. I've never been to Broadway. But uh, uh, they bow and, and everybody's applauding. That's the purpose of their job is to perform in a way that people go, wow, that was really good. Why? Because they want more people to buy tickets, and they want people to, to tell everybody else, this was great, you need to go see it. But you see, when we're talking about the Bible, and we're talking about the culture of church, it's never about the, it should never be about the, hey, you should go to that church, that pastor, he did a backflip, and uh, now you know that wasn't me, because I can't do backflips, but uh, uh, that's too much exercise for me. Uh, but uh, he, did, he did this, and he did that, and, and he's hip, and he's woke, and he's whatever, and all these kinds of things. And that's why we're trying to get people to church to go see a person. That's not the purpose behind church. It's not about self, whether it be the pastor or anybody else in the church. It ought to be simply about God and helping other people uh, uh, either find God, if I can use that term, or get closer to God. Yet, too often times in churches, and I've been in lots of churches, not been members of lots of churches, but I've been in them, I've visited lots of churches, and there's too often times this mentality of self, this promotion of self, this, I'm here because it helps me. And if someone else gets helped, great, as long as I get something, as long as I get some applause or pat on the back or recognition or... Uh, um, uh, um, a good feeling, right? It, it's not just other people applauding you. It's the going home thinking, I feel good about myself because I did something today, because I taught that class and no kids fell asleep, or because I, I sang that song and I didn't mess up, or because I, I cleaned the church and it's spotless, or because I cooked this meal and it was the best meal ever. That kind of mentality um, can, can just demolish a church. We can't be about self. Why do you come to church? Do you come to be a part of the club? Do you come to be seen? 
Or, number three and lastly, do you come to edify? Uh, look again in verse, verse 26. It goes through the how is it then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you have a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Everything that you're doing, the psalm that you have, the song that you have, do it for the purpose of edification, of lifting up, of helping. Uh, the, uh, the doctrine that you have, the teaching that you're giving, the, 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 the tongue that includes the teaching because it's still presenting a message. Um, again, we're not talking about tongues today, so that may be a whole other message. Uh, a revelation, interpretation, your present, presentation of the scriptures, do it for the purpose of edification. Let all things be done for edification. He's talking to a church. All right? So to us today, everything that we do in the church ought to be done to the edification. Uh, to, to two different ways. Number one, edifying the believer. First Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Uh, it is our job as brothers and sisters to edify one another. Don't be like my two sons. Where one's trying to annoy the other one all the time. Don't be like your children, where they're pulling each other's hairs and pinching and kicking each other. Be what you're supposed to be, a biblical brother and a biblical sister, and edify one another, lift each other up, help each other, encourage each other, help each other grow closer to God. And then also, the edification of the lost. Uh, look in verse 24. Uh, but if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or, or one unlearned, he is convinced all, he is judged of all. That prophesy, again, is not prophetic, it is the sharing the Bible, it's the teaching here. Instead of speaking in tongues where they can't understand you, if you will actually teach where they can understand you, then, uh, the terminology is interesting here, but it says, uh, then... They will uh, con they'll be convinced of all, judged of all, and thus, verse 25, are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of truth. Is this not the purpose of the church, seeing lost people saved? That's what he's talking about here. If you'll prophesy, if you'll teach, instead of speaking in a way they can't understand you, the, those who believe not will now believe. They'll hear the truth, and they'll, they'll accept the truth, and then they'll believe. And not only that, they'll even tell other people, hey, these people are actually helping people. They're not the club that you're expecting. They're actually helping people. You can go there and hear teaching and hear truth and get helped in your life. Uh, you're battling depression. Here, go to this place. They can help you. You're falling on hardships. Hey, go to this place. They can help you. Your marriage is failing. Hey, go to this place. They can help you. Uh, you're, you're looking for your purpose in life, hey, go to this place. They can help you. All of these things are, are coming back into this same category of if we'll just actually do something that helps people, it'll help people. What helps people? The Bible. Presented in a way that's clear and understandable. Uh, look in 1 Corinthians 10, a couple pages back. 1 Corinthians 10 in verse number 23. I, I like this verse and this passage, and you can talk for hours on it. We won't today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, 
but all things edify not. This goes back to that mentality of the, it's not wrong for me to do this, but it doesn't help anybody if I do this. It's, it's, a, it's a preference of mine, but it's not going to help my brother or my sister or this lost person. So I might, in the case of a preference, I might back off of my preference to make sure that I'm being a help here. If it's a conviction, which is different than a preference, if it's a conviction, I'm going to hold to it. But if it's a preference, if, if, if God will allow me to have some wiggle room in this, then I will. I will wiggle. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. I will wiggle and so that other people can be helped. I don't know why I did that, by the way. Um, <laughs> all things are lawful, but they're not all expedient. All things are lawful, but they don't all edify. Paul's purpose, and ultimately God's purpose, is, I believe in the church, salvation and sanctification. Seeing people saved and seeing them be set apart for God's use, that means they have to grow, that means they have to be nurtured, that means they have to learn that's the purpose of the church. And anything that does not help or promote salvation and sanctification, then what purpose does it have? If your purpose is God's purpose, then you're going to do what is necessary to accomplish it. That means dress. That means entertainment. That means lifestyle. That means the way I spend. All of it's included in that. If my purpose is God's purpose, then I'm going to do what is necessary to accomplish it. The purpose of that I come to church is to do what God desires for me to do in the church and to edify everyone that comes and to create a culture that is a biblical and, and welcoming. If I'm going to do that, then there might be personal preferences that I'm going to put aside. Um, <clears throat> I might like to wear sweatpants and tank tops, <laughs> but it's probably not going to edify a whole lot of people at church. I don't own a tank top for what it's worth. Um, uh, I do like sweatpants, though. Uh, but uh, it's not going to edify people. So, so for the cause of Christ, for the purpose that I'm coming to church, I'm not going to wear sweatpants and a tank top. I'm going to put on some deodorant. Uh, I'm going to shower. Those sorts of things. It, 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 it honestly impacts, and I don't want to minimize the thought, the experience of new people into the church. Is wearing deodorant in, in the Bible? No. Is it part of the gospel? No. But if, if you have a visitor sitting next to you and you stink, they're probably going to be focused on stank instead of Scripture. Um, there might be things that I do that I don't necessarily feel are wrong um, with entertainment. But for the cause of Christ, I might set it aside. I may not do it anymore. Um, again, spending, it's, it's these simple things, it's, it's small things, but spending, if I spend here, how will that edify the Lord? How will it edify my brothers and sisters? And listen, there's things, obviously, you buy for, for yourself and for your family and things like that that don't have anything to do with the church, all right? But how can I better be a part of the church? How can I better create the culture that God wants in this church? It might make me changing some of my preferences and some of my actions so that I can better be used of God for His service in the church that He's placed me in. 
Uh, again, I'll talk more specifically. I got two specific topics that I want to talk about in the Sunday school time that we do in the coming weeks. But why do you come to church? Uh, we have to start training our young people the same way. Because I grew up, good family, good church, but it's just something we never talked about in my home. We, it was never, we never talked negatively about people. Uh, I mean, I say that. We've, we joked about people. <laughs> we were normal people. But uh, uh, it was never like, a, well, this person's not welcomed at our church. Or, uh, hey, Vince, if this kid comes, don't sit next to him. Um, their parents may have said that about me, but they didn't say that. To, my parents didn't say it to me. If someone that looks like this comes, don't go anywhere near them. That was never a conversation in our church, or in our home, or our church, but our home. Yet still, as a young person, and probably more so as a teenager than a kid, somebody new walks in, and if you don't know them, the first response is kind of sit back and watch them. <laughs> Do they know anybody else here? Who invited them? Do they just move here? Are they just visiting? Instead of going up to the person and saying, Hi, my name's Vince. Are you new here? Did you just move here? Did somebody invite you to come? Do you have anybody to sit with? Instead, we go, I hope he doesn't sit in my seat. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope he doesn't sit in my seat. You know, it's, again, I like to think as adults we're better than that. But again, I've been in a lot of churches, and not every adult is. Why do you come? Do you come to be a part of the club? I hope not, because this club, we want to see it transformed, and we want to see it changing constantly, and we want to see it grow, and we want to see it impacting people of all, uh, of all makes and models, so to say. Do you come to be seen? I, I really hope not. Um, remember, self-expression only edifies self. And remember that when it comes to preferences. Yes, this is my preference. How is it helping other people? And then, do you come to edify? That's the purpose. That's why we should be coming, to edify the saved and the lost. You have a psalm? Great. Use it for edification. You have a doctrine? Great. Use it for edification. You have a, uh, um, the other words that are in that verse. I'm not in the chapter anymore. Uh, you got that? Good. Use it for edification. Not, not for for bitterness and not for self and not for uh, personal uh, growth, but to help, to edify, to, to get involved and to be a part of the church in a way that helps. Um, if the whole church come together into one place and, and everybody that comes in after them says they're crazy, you're doing it wrong. That's Vince's paraphrase uh, for verse 23. It's okay to be different. We're supposed to be. God calls us to be different. Uh, it uses the word peculiar in the Bible, and we have to be careful that we're not weird. Um, it's, there's nothing wrong if a lost person walks into the church and goes, well, these people aren't like my home. Well, I hope not. We're the church. We're God's children. But let's be careful that we don't have that club mentality of, hey, you have to sign the contract and agree to these four things to be a part of our club. If you're going to wear that, then you can't come. If you're going to look like that, then you can't come. Uh, you know, we can't be that. 
do you come to edify? Let's make sure that as a church we are creating a culture. We are a culture that is welcoming, that is loving, and most importantly that is biblical. And you'll find welcoming and loving in biblical, by the way. That's what we have to be. And I pray, and I have prayed, and I continue to pray that God will, will diversify our church, that God will um, continue in constantly developing us into a church that when lost people or unchurched people come into the doors, they don't go, they must be just like the other church that I went to. We want to be a church that is always on par with what God desires. And we can't be that if only one or two people are that. We can only be that if we are all that. Let all things be done for edifying. Lord, I pray for your help. We need it. We can't be the church you want us to be if we just come up with the methods and the philosophies on our own. God, we can only be what you want us to be if our complete dependence is on you and, Lord, that we have emptied ourselves of anything to do with us. As John the Baptist uh, uh, said and you've recorded for us, we need more of you and less of me. God, I pray that you would continue to develop in our, our individual hearts that mentality of more of God and less of me. And God, that you'd continue. I'm thankful that we are friends. I'm thankful that we get along. I'm thankful that we have some commonalities amongst us. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand how when people come to visit us, how we look closed off, if we are. And how we can uh, change the culture of our church or develop the culture of our church to be one that is more welcoming to people who are, don't look like us. Lord, I pray that we would not have a club-type mentality, but, God, that we would have a God-fearing and a God-loving mentality that uh, shines bright to those around us. Help us to be the church that you want us to be. Lord, if there's areas in our lives that are wrong, where we've been coming to church for the wrong purpose, God, convict us of it and change our hearts, Lord, so that we can change our actions. And God, I pray, I pray that you'd help me as the pastor, that I would be the example of this. And Lord, I'd also be the teacher of this. And God, I pray for each person in our church that you would help them and grow them. Continue to unite our hearts, our spirits, uh, Lord, our minds as a church, that we can be of one mind the way that you desire for us to be. Help us to edify, Lord, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Um, again, I'm going to look more into the schedule, and, and I, like I said, I don't, I'm not all up to date on what's going on with the ladies' Sunday school class, uh, but I may bring everybody in for a couple of lessons um, 